0: God, I really believe that you're in the business of uh, changing people uh, for all of eternity. Uh, You call people who are far from you, and you draw them near. Uh, You take people who are enemies of you, and and you call them friends. Um, You you take folks who want nothing uh, to do with you, and you call them sons and daughters. And so you are capable and able of literally doing miraculous things. And so I pray this morning that you would do that for your name's sake. One of the ways that that you accomplish your will is through your word. Uh, You've given to us your word, and and your word says that when it goes out, it doesn't return void. And so I pray uh, even now, Lord, that uh, your word would go out and accomplish whatever you see fit. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Who here has a cell phone? Most of you. Who, Who still uses a flip phone? No shame in that. No shame in that. It's weird, but that's fine. Uh, if, if you have your cell phone, pull it out and uh, go to the App Store. It's okay. And look for the version app. It looks a little something like this. You'll see Uversion. That's pretty fancy. Uh, that's where the version app is on my phone. You'll click on it, and it'll bring you to this screen. Very cool. That's a picture, uh, cheesy picture of me in my office. Uh, Up top, you you might not be able to see it from where you are. Um, I don't know why I used that picture. But if you go to events, you see where events is about halfway down there? Click on events, and it will take you to this screen. Not that screen. That's just our screen. That's kind of an in-house screen. That's something that we just see. But this is what you will see. Uh, You will see a list of churches, a Harvest Community Church. They're just down the road. They're live right now. We abandoned their service, though. And so, uh, don't click on them. Click on Christ Point Church. If you're in the barn, it'll be at the top of the list. Click on it, and this is what you'll see. There you go. That's, that's today's message. We're calling it Jesus, the Law, and Pursuing Perfection. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. We're going to ask and answer two questions today. If you are someone who likes to take notes, if you're someone who likes to follow along, if you are someone with a short attention span, and you're wondering, are you almost done? Follow along with this, and you'll kind of be able to see uh, where we are. And so it's really kind of a cool tool uh, to use. I want to encourage you uh, to use it uh, this morning, if you would. Um, We are in the last day of October, right? It's October 31st today, which means tomorrow is November. I don't know about you, but once we hit November, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Once we celebrate Thanksgiving, you might as well open presents the next day because Christmas is going to be here and then we're going to start a new year. Now, I know everyone rolls a little differently at the start of of the new year, but for me, I like to set some new uh, goals for the new year. I like to reflect back upon the past year and and do some New Year's resolutions or uh, some things that I would like to change in my life. Maybe some things that I want to start, maybe some things that I want to stop. Uh, Since I'm a little older than I used to be, um, one of the things that I typically decide to do is to eat healthy. Right? I decide to eat healthy because uh, as a 43 year old man, uh, I cannot eat what I once did without something happening to me that I don't want to have happen to me. Like I have realized in life, there's a connection between a food intake, a lack of exercise, and the numbers that are staring at me when I get on the scale. Right? And so oftentimes, if I'm feeling very aggressive uh, during the new year, I will decide that no sugar will touch my lips. No sugar will touch my lips. I, I, I say to myself, James, stay away uh, from bad carbs. Right? And my third rule, no sugar, no carbs, my third rule is if it tastes uh, good, you're probably not allowed to eat it. Right? And so those are my three rules that I, that I commit to. I'm going to follow these no matter what. I never start on January the 1st because January the 1st is a holiday. New Year's Day, I like to watch football on January 1st. And when I watch football, I like to eat pizza. And that's not on the list. So I always start on the 2nd. What a great day to start. And sometime between breakfast and lunch, I think to myself, James, this is essentially easy. Like you should write a recipe book or a book on health. You're killing it, James. And then on the 3rd, on January the 3rd, it occurs to me that men by nature are hunter-gatherers. And, and I have found, I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but I have found that someone has done all the hunting and gathering for me. And uh, it's called the grocery store. And I oftentimes will go to the grocery store and I'll go grocery shopping and I'll come home um, committed to follow my diet. And Melissa will come into the kitchen and she'll open up the freezer and she'll say, James, 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 she says my name three times. She said, "James, there are five half gallons of Breyer's ice cream in the freezer. What gives?" And I will say to her, "Melissa, it's funny that uh, you mentioned that. Uh, a couple times a year, Harris Teeter will have a sale on ice cream, and uh, and they'll do five for ten. Right? So it's kind of a stewardship thing. I tell her, like it, it would be wrong for me not to take advantage of the great deal." And she says, "Fair enough." She said, "James, I also noticed." that there are two frozen pizzas in the freezer. How did they get here? And I'll say to her, Melissa, it's funny you should mention that. Uh, Those were buy one, get one free. Right, BOGO. Like they're giving away free pizza. Again, a stewardship. Moments later, she will make her way to the pantry and she'll come out holding a bag of chocolate-covered pretzels. And she'll say to me, James, let me guess. These were on sale too. To which I will reply, No, I just like those, right? I have the best of intentions to follow all of the rules that I've set for my life, but it doesn't take long uh, before I break them. Do you know that once upon a time, uh, God gave his people uh, rules to follow? They weren't arbitrary rules. They weren't random rules. The Trinity wasn't sitting up in heaven thinking to themselves, hey, I got an idea this year. This year, No bacon. No, the rules that God gave were actually good. Uh, They they were given for a reason and for a purpose. They were meant to demonstrate the character of God. Uh, They were used to display His goodness. God gave them to His people so that they might be a set-apart people uh, from the world around them. And God gave them these rules for living uh, so that they might see their need for Jesus and be drawn to their Savior. But God's people, uh, just like me, were historically pretty bad at keeping all the rules. Like every time He sat them down and said, okay, we're going to try this again. Uh, I'm going to tell you not to do some things, and I'm going to tell you to do some other things. God's people historically said, we are in. We are in. And then they lasted like about a meal and said, we are out. So, uh, one day, uh, Jesus comes to town. And Jesus is quite the teacher and preacher. Uh, He's quite the rabbi. Jesus starts drawing a crowd to himself, and one day he preaches them uh, the greatest message ever preached. Uh, he, He shows the people who are the ones in the world who are truly blessed. He he reminds them of of what it looks like to be salt and light in a world uh, that is dark. And here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going to answer two significant questions that the people would have been asking. Uh, The first question is, how does this teacher, this rabbi, uh, view the Old Testament law? All these commands that Yahweh gave to us to follow, uh, what does the new teacher think about them? And then secondly, how should we, as the people of God, respond to them? Two questions, Jesus answers them in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 20. Jesus said to the crowd, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So my question is, how did Jesus respond to the law? How did Jesus respond to the law? Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Uh, In the Bible, when you read about law or God's law, it can refer to many different things. Uh, On one hand, it can refer to the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. uh, The the books of Moses. The Pentateuch, as uh, they oftentimes are referred to. Uh, Other times, the law can refer to uh, not only the Ten Commandments that God gave to his people, but the 613 commandments that he gave his people to follow. And other times, when Scripture talks about the law, it oftentimes couples it with the law and the prophets. Or sometimes the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. And it simply refers back uh, to the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and uh, in that crowd likely were religious leaders who spent their days uh, living uh, their lives addressing the issues of the Law. They would explain, they would define, they would study, they would teach, they would uphold, and they would apply the Law uh, to their everyday life. When a religious leader shows up on the the scene, one of the first questions you probably would ask of him is, "Well, what does he say or what does he teach uh, about the law? Well, Jesus announces to the people, I've come not to abolish the law or do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So my question to you is, what does that even mean? When Jesus spoke those words, what did he mean that he had uh, come to fulfill uh, the law? Well, Jesus fulfilled the law uh, by obeying the law. Jesus did what we, you, and me never could do, which was obey the law uh, perfectly. But Jesus does more than simply obey the letter of the law. He obeys the heart of the law. A theologian, John Stott, said Jesus does more than simply obey the law himself. He explains what obedience will involve for his disciples. He rejects the superficial interpretation of the law given by the scribes. He himself supplies the true interpretation. His purpose is not to change the law, still less to cancel it, but to reveal the full depth of meaning that it was intended to hold. So then he fulfills it by declaring the radical demands of the righteousness of God. This is what he stresses in the rest of Matthew chapter 5 by giving examples. I love what Stott said when he said that Jesus rejects the superficial interpretation of the law given by the scribes. You see, the religious leaders of the day would look at the law and they would say, Well, we like we can do that. Like we can follow the law. It says, don't murder, we won't kill anyone. Like the, they looked at the superficial reading of the law and thought to themselves, we can do that. But then Jesus comes along one day and Jesus starts uh, to dig a little deeper into people's hearts. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, You have heard it. Uh, You have heard it said in the days of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. The crowds in hearing Jesus speak may have heard that and said out loud, amen, amen. Like we're not supposed to kill anyone. And Jesus says, correct, you're correct, don't do that. But then he says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Well, that's a little different. See, everyone there who was listening to the words of Jesus probably thought to themselves that they were, they were pretty good, that they were set. When they heard Jesus say, you have heard it said, do not murder, they probably thought in their heads, have I, have I killed anyone recently? And they thought, nope, nope, I'm good. But then, then Jesus digs deeper into their heart. And, and says to them, but, but I say to you, this is, this is what you've read, this is what you've heard, but there's a new authority in town. And I say to you and everyone, if you are angry with your brother, you will be liable to judgment. Verse 23, and so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Someone hears the command of Jesus and says, "Do not murder," and they think, "Okay, I'm I'm good." And Jesus says, "Like, how are your relationships? Like, um, are, are you harboring bitterness toward your neighbor? Like, are you are you avoiding people in your life because they've hurt you or they've said something uh, that has stung you?" if if that's you, before you start feeling self-righteous because you haven't killed anyone. Jesus says, I want you to know if you have anger in your heart towards someone, uh, then you have business to do with God. Jesus continued in Matthew 5, 27. You've heard it said, 'You you shall not commit adultery. And maybe the crowd felt pretty good about that. They thought, yeah, I can't I can't think of a time. Like I'm like I'm good. I'm good. But then Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, D- Jesus doesn't simply want you not uh, to hop in bed with someone who's not What what he wants is for you not to use and abuse people in your mind uh, to satisfy and to gratify your selfish desires. He he wants you to see people as those created in the image of God uh, to be loved and valued and treasured and honored. His teaching uh, would have been Radical. When people heard his word, I can almost imagine that there would have been a hush. Because I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I may think that for the most part, I have my stuff together. And then Jesus comes along and says, um, wait just a minute. The teachers in Jesus' day were looking at the law and thinking to themselves, I can do that. I I cannot kill anyone. I cannot commit adultery. I cannot uh, steal. I cannot bear false witness, not lie. And then Jesus raises the bar. It reminds me of the conversation that Jesus has with a rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. Verse 16, it says, And behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good must I do to inherit eternal life? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, just tell me, what do I I need to do? What rules do I need to follow? Like, let me know. I'll write them down. I'll follow them. And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Follow the law, Jesus said. And the man said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I love the man's response. Scripture says the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I lack? In his mind, he hears Jesus pronounce all the commands and he's checking them off. He's like, I haven't done that, I haven't done that, I haven't done that i love my mom and dad he's like what else do i have to do and jesus said to him if you would be perfect go sell all that you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me and scripture says when the young man heard this he went away sorrowful for he had great possession like jesus wasn't telling the man hey there's just one more thing i need you to do If you could add to the list of those six things I just gave you, one more thing, then you're going to be good. Then you inherit eternal life. What Jesus is doing is revealing the man's heart. He he walks up to the self-righteous man and says to him, in essence, you think you're really good, but there's there's an idol in your heart that you've grasped that you won't let go of. And so if you want to follow me, sell everything and follow after me. And the man left uh, sad. Jesus was showing the man the intent of the law, and in doing so, uh, he was showing us, you and me, the impossibility of perfectly uh, keeping all the commandments. I, d- I don't know if you've tried to keep all of the rules and the regulations and the commandments before, but if you have, then you have had this experience before. You will fail Every single time. Like eventually, things are going to go south for you. Like you may commit yourself to being better and doing more and sort of getting your stuff together, but historically, that never worked for God's people. Old Testament, New Testament, God's like, here's my law. God defines the relationship with his people, and God's people go, we're in. Until they're not. And then they just repeat the process again and again and again and again. It does not work. It doesn't work. So does Jesus just ignore the law? Does he dismiss the law? Does he cast it aside? He says in verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus does not nullify the law, but comes so that everything in it will be accomplished through Him. Jesus did not come to encumber us with impossibly heavy burdens. Only Jesus is able to fulfill God's law perfectly and therefore atone for our sins. This does not mean that Christians should not be concerned with obedience and following after God. We, We should, as the people of God, we, we should know that God's law was good. It was not designed by God to be arbitrary or some impossible task to trick His people. It wasn't some gotcha scheme where God told us to do stuff and was like, ha, 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 good luck with that. It wasn't His intent. God gave us a, His law to reveal His character and so that if we would follow it, we would experience flourishing as a people. This is what... The law was designed to do, but Jesus came not to fulfill the letter of the law, but the heart of the law, which begs the question, how should you and I respond to God's law? Like when scripture commands us to do things, should we go like, whatever, can't can't do it anyway, doesn't matter, should we cast it aside? I mean, isn't God's law archaic? I mean, you read some of the things and you're going, this is obscure, this happened thousands of years ago. Isn't stuff in the Old Testament Like, old? Like, why should I have to do that? I mean, when we come across old or archaic laws now, like, we just kind of go, oh, that's funny. Not doing that. This last week, I did a little research on uh, North Carolina laws because I was interested to find out, hey, what do we we have on the book directing us as a people? I I was uh, surprised uh, to read that there is a law uh, that states there is no rollerblading on the highway. True story. I have a nine-year-old little girl. She straps on her rollerblades one day, and she's walking out the door, and I'm like, Amelia, where are you going? And she says to me, I'm going rollerblading on 85. I'm going to say to her, that's actually against the law. You can't do that. And if she says to me, fine, I'm going to take my bike and I'm going to ride, I'm going to remind her. Another law in North Carolina says it's illegal to ride a bike without using both hands. So listen, hot shot, riding around with one with one hand or no hands. Guess what? When you do that, you're breaking the law. Lawbreaker, did you know, did you know that in North Carolina, it is illegal, it is illegal, that means against the law, to use your elephants to plow your cotton field. Praise the Lord for that one. I'm not making it up. This was my favorite, though. This is, this is true. I came across this. Um, there's a law in North Carolina that says you cannot collect reward money for yourself. right? Which is, So it, that means if you're here this morning and you're looking for a side hustle and you think I'm going to commit a crime, I'm going to make sure there's a reward out if someone finds me, and then I'm going to turn myself in to get the money, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's against the law. I first read that, and I was like, man, that would have been a good side hustle. So how are we supposed to respond to God's commands? Jesus says in verse 19, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, apparently, on some level, Jesus is not letting his followers off the hook. He's calling his followers to obedience, not in the same way that Jesus called his Old Testament followers or Jews to obey the law, but he is calling people uh, to obey uh, the the spirit, the, the spirit of the law, or what we read in Scripture. Ultimately, is uh, is love to love God and to love one another. Matthew chapter twenty-two. Verse 37, and he said, Jesus said to his disciples, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus says, love God and love others. Romans chapter 13, verse 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law for this you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and if there is any other commandment it is summed up in this saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law paul says to the church in, Galatia, in Galatian, galatians chapter 5 for you were called to freedom brothers Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Matthew 7, verse 12, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. For this is the law in the prophets. Jesus came to fulfill uh, the law, and because he came to fulfill the law, and because he actually did it, uh, he has set us free to obey the law, not out of duty, but out of delight, right? Be- because we love God, and we love people, and so we walk in obedience. The problem that can happen is that when we do, do that, we might start to think that we're doing a pretty good job. Right? You hear love God and love people and our temptation as people is to clearly define what that looks like and then be quick to point out that other people aren't meeting our standards. So we define goodness and when other people don't meet our definition, we think to ourselves, clearly, they are not being good. We define righteousness. This is what it looks like. We're clear about the definition. And then we notice when other people aren't measuring up and we think to ourselves, well, <laughs> clearly, they're not as righteous as I am. We define love. if a full definition in our minds. Typically, it's marked by all of the things that we do. And then all of a sudden, we meet someone whose definition looks a little different than ours, and we go, "Uh uh-oh. Human heart is a fickle thing. Jesus says to his followers, essentially, "It, it matters how you live, Your decisions matter. And then in the next breath, he says to them, hey, if you think you're pretty proud of yourself for obeying all of the rules that you set up, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus did not have a microphone when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but if he did, um, that would have been a microphone. Because the scribes and the Pharisees are like, they're the superheroes. Like they're the super spiritual. They're the ones that people would have looked at and thought, man, if anyone has gotten in with God, it'd be them. Like if, if anyone's a rule follower, if anyone can check all the boxes, it would be those guys. And so Jesus says to the crowd one day, um, unless your righteousness exceeds those guys, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." So people would have heard that And they would have thought to themselves, I can't do that. I I can't do that. Jesus, by the way, is not saying to the crowds, hey, they're, they're obeying like 500 of the 613 commands. You just need to obey like 501 and you're good. Jesus is essentially uh, telling them, you you can't try harder and do more to make yourself righteous before me. Like you can't work your way into a relationship. God, God does not accept us or welcome us because of our personal obedience. We need someone outside of ourselves uh, to come and to rescue us. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus does that. Paul says in Galatians, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption, of his son. That is good news. We, as the people of God, receive a righteousness that is not our own. Instead, we ride on the coattails of our Savior, Jesus. Two questions that I want you to think about and reflect upon today. I know in my notes I flipped them, or in my notes I have them in the opposite order, but I'm going to flip them, and you can't stop. right? So question number one, what? or who drives my obedience? What drives my obedience? Is it law or is it love? What drives your obedience with the Lord? Is it law or is it love? Uh, In our home, there are uh, certain unwritten rules that we live by. We don't have them posted on the refrigerator, but They are they're unspoken. Um, There are certain things around the house that that I do. Uh, Melissa never told me I had to do them. She didn't like put together an Excel spreadsheet and was like when we got married, she wasn't like these are your chores. But they're just understood. One of those things is taking out of the trash. And philosophically, Melissa and I have uh, different ideas of how that should work. Uh, When the trash is full, uh, Melissa thinks it's full, and we should take it out. When I see that the trash is full, I think we should press it down so we can put more trash in it, so it can get full. And then when it's full, she wants me to take it out to the trash. But I say to her, au contraire, I think there's more space in there. And so I push it down more to put more trash in so it can be full, so we can take it out. Melissa just wants me uh, to take out the trash. Right? She does, but she wants more than that. I think. I'm reading into this. Correct me if I'm wrong. She doesn't know what I'm going to say. She's worried right now. She's a little nervous. Right? Melissa doesn't simply want me to operate in such a way where I say, Melissa, I love you. I took out the trash yesterday. What more do you want from me? You know who did the dishes? They didn't clean themselves. You know who pushed the button on the dishwasher? This guy. I did. They dry it and I put them all away. She she ultimately doesn't want that. Melissa wants to be seen. She wants to be noticed. And she wants to be valued. She doesn't want me just to do stuff, to check it off the list and go, see, I did it. I did my duty. She wants me to operate in such a way where, where I go, Melissa, I, like, I value you. And what's important to you is important to me. And, and, and I want to do these things because I love you. As followers of Jesus, God is thoroughly unimpressed if all we do is operate in such a way where we're obedient because we're checking something off a list. I did my duty. You told me to give. I gave. You told me not to forsake the assembly. I showed up. Like the, God doesn't want us to operate that way. He wants us to operate in such a way where we say, God, I, like, I, I love you. I love you. Like you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me where to go and I'll go. You tell me to start something and I'll start it. You tell me to stop something and I'll stop it. God, I, I love you. So what or who drives your obedience? Is it law or is it love? And secondly, what or who is the source of your righteousness? What or who is the source of your righteousness? Why do you think that you are good enough before God? Why do you think you're good enough? Is it something that you've done? Something that you've said? Or is it Jesus? If the answer to that question is anything or anyone other than Jesus, uh, you have answered incorrectly. Um, Jesus is our only hope. Right? And so we operate in such a way in the Christian life where, out of love, because we've received a changed heart by God, we follow Jesus in obedience uh, to Him. And when we become prideful and arrogant, we are reminded that God has given to us a foreign righteousness, He's given us the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus and it's the only way that we can stand before him. In other words, we live a life where we continually run uh, to our Father again and again and again. Jesus on the hillside one day spoke to those who could hear his voice and said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be uh, called great in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we we come before you and we acknowledge and admit that apart from Jesus and his obedience uh, to your law, uh, we are without hope. But uh, because of Jesus and his obedience to uh, the law, we have been given hope. We have been given new heart and new longing and new desires. And so I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would stir those desires in us uh, today. God, if there are people here this morning who are far from you, who are not interested in you, who do not love you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would so arrest their hearts in a radical way uh, that their spiritual eyes would be opened uh, to your goodness. God, we run to you and we thank you that when we do, you are found. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.